Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. On to our second base preview here on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday, February 19th. Adam Azer with Scott White and Chris Towers. Here's the first thing I want you guys to know about this position. On Fantasy Pros... Consensus average draft position, Glaber Torres going one spot ahead of Jose Altuve. Glaber Torres, the first second base eligible player off the board. He's also eligible at shortstop, but Scott, I thought that was kind of wacky. It's not how I have it. It's not how I have it, and uh, certainly not supported by the numbers last year. It's, I guess it's... You, could say it's not supported by the track record either. I mean, it's great. Obviously it's not supported by anything. Record. Is this a yeah. cheating backlash? I mean, what is this? Um, well, there are some indications that Altuve is declining, and he's obviously not looking like a stolen base source anymore. And um, I know, it, I know, it sounds weird saying he's declining when he just had a career best power season, but it was a little suspicious. And I don't mean for, <laughs> I don't mean for the reasons we usually <laughs> are suspicious of the Astros these days. I mean, by usual analytical standards, it was suspicious that he had was able to do that much damage with the bat. His skill set's entirely dependent on the bat now, um, and I think maybe, I think maybe it's a combination of people just don't want him on their team because they're they feel icky about the Astros situation and. Uh, they really like the upside of Torres. I couldn't care less about the Astros situation <laughs> in terms of like a I'm not drafting them thing. No, I mean, me, me neither. Crazy, but, but hey, people, t- people, people are doing have, it. Uh, people have taken moral stands with their fantasy selections since the dawn of time. I guess so. Uh, Chris, what do you make of oh. Glaber Torres being the first second base eligible player off the board? Not in CBS leagues, by the way. In CBS leagues, he is uh, well, third behind Altuve and Cattell Marte. Way behind. Sure? Out- That's what I got. Average draft position. Well, in points league, let's see, in Roto. Is there any? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's first in Roto. He's third in points. Wow. What do you think? I think it's a mistake. I don't think it's a big mistake because I think Labor Torres has a very high floor. But what he did last year was probably unsustainable. And particularly the the level with which he dominated the um Orioles the Orioles yeah he hit was it 13 of his 38 home runs against the Orioles something like that it was some outrageous number and 
I did some research earlier in the offseason that basically looked at the previous 11 players who have hit at least 11 home runs against one team in a season. That group of 11 players averaged 53 home runs per season in those 11 years. The following season, that same group averaged 41 home runs the following year, and none of the 11 hit more home runs the following season than they did the previous season. Only, I believe, three of them hit even 90% as many home runs. So I'm surprised you make as much of the Orioles thing as you do, because I make almost nothing of it. I, I figure, okay, they just had a lot of bad pitchers, so it just so happens that a high percentage of his home runs happened to come against them. Right, but... I, but- I didn't see him as like a, a bull seeing red whenever he was facing an Orioles pitcher. And, you know, that made him I, I didn't really see a connection to uh, what he did against the Orioles and a, a why he did that against the Orioles. So I didn't have a strong opinion one way or the other going into it. In fact, my my initial reaction upon hearing that stat was just, well, that's just something that happened. But, you know, when looking at the numbers, it kind of it so strongly suggests that that was a fluke that influenced his overall production so much that I have to take it into account based on the previous history of players who have done something similar. All right, well, let me give you these stats because they played the Orioles a lot earlier in the year. And then from May 25th to August 4th, 56 games, I don't think they played the Orioles once. And yeah, they did not. And in those games, Glaber Torres had an 839 OPS. He batted 277 with 11 homers, 37 RBIs, and eight doubles. That is a 277, 32 homer pace in 162 games, 108 RBIs, 119 runs uh, per 160. Well, it has a, yeah, per 162 games. So he was good. And he's going to put up big numbers. I mean, he's probably going to put up big numbers against the Orioles because they have terrible pitching. So that's always good. Now, I think that the point is. Torres was the number eight second baseman in points leagues, number six in Roto. He played 144 games. Uh, you know, he's not Altuve. He's never been Altuve. But people see mm-hmm. him as the ascending superstar, and they obviously see some risk in Jose Altuve, and that's fine. We have a lot more to talk about. We'll get into ADP and when those guys should be going. Scott, is, yeah. this, is this a shallow position? I th- Look, one of the things I've been saying about 2020 is there's – Really no such thing as position scarcity in 2020. But if there's a position where you could p- possibly get left out, if you're just totally not paying attention to anything that's happening there during the draft, it's second base. It's second base. It is It is a position that, uh, particularly in a middle infield league, um, it makes it easier that you could get left out. But even in like a standard 12 team head to head where every team starts just one second baseman, there are going to be a couple people in that league who have to gamble on a high upside type who isn't all that proven yet. And that's, that's the only position you can say that about the only infield position. And I guess you'd have to say outfield too, that you had that you could say that about. Okay. So can you wait on the position? Can you be the last person in your league to draft a second baseman and still feel good about your team, to feel good about your second baseman? Yeah. I mean, look at look at ADP and look at the guys who are going in the 12 to 15 range. 
Yeah. You'd feel good. Well, let's start at eleven. Jeff McNeil is eleventh at the position. I'm gonna, I'm and, gonna take. I'm, the reason I'm gonna take him off is because Moncada's included in this list, and for us, he's sure. not second base eligible. So McNeil would be ten. Mustakas would be eleven. Eduardo Escobar, who was awesome last year, top five at the position, would be twelve. Danny Santana, I don't think is second base eligible for us. Mm-hmm. Is he? No, he's not. Right? No, he's not. He's first and outfield only. Okay, uh, but there. But yeah, it's the multi-eligibility can be a drain on this position too because you have Cattell Marte, who's outfield eligible, Libertura shortstop, Whit Merrifield outfield, Jonathan VR shortstop, EJ LeMahieu first base and third base, Max Muncie uh, first base and third base also, I think, Jeff McNeil third base and outfield, Mike Moustakis third base, Eduardo Escobar third base. Right. So that's like what? That's nine of the top 12 that could be drafted to play something else. They shouldn't be. I mean, they, they probably should be drafted to play second base, but you're not controlling everybody's team in a draft and right. somebody may draft them to play something else. So that's, that's another reason. Um, it could become an issue. I don't want to be the guy drafting Glaber Torres in round three. I might be the guy drafting Cattell Marte in round four because he's shown a higher ceiling than, than Glaber Torres. But I don't want to be the guy drafting Torres in round three. I don't want to. Uh, I don't think there's a need to reach like that at the position. But I also don't want to be the guy who is gambling on Gavin Lux as his starter. It could turn out great. Obviously, Lux has a huge ceiling. But the little we saw of him last year, I I don't think you can count on him being able to uh, keep pace with everyone else at the position. Right, so let's get back to the top 12, right? Because let's assume that all of these guys are drafted at, at two-play second base. Torres, Altuve, Albies, Marte, Whit Merrifield, Keston Hira, VR, DJ LeMayhew. I'm going to skip Moncada, even though he's listed on Fantasy Pros. Max Muncy, they were at 10. Or 10 is McNeil. Mike Moustakas, 11. Eduardo Escobar, 12. That doesn't sound so bad. Eduardo Escobar has been a top 10 second baseman two years in a row. Then, though, after that, Kevin Biggio, Tommy Edmond, Gavin Lux, Lourdes Gurriel, who's not second base eligible on no, our side, yeah. Garrett Hampson, Scott Kingery, Brandon Lau, Nick Senzel. I'm not saying there are no good second basemen there. And Senzel isn't second right. base on ours either. I, yeah, though, there's a lot of upside in that group, but it's, it's highly unproven. You and, are, yeah, you don't want that to be your starter necessarily. You got to be kind of loaded. You better be pretty loaded everywhere else if you're going to take a gamble on one of those guys as your starter. That's my read on it. So, right? Is that fair? It's a big drop-off, I'd say, from Eduardo yeah. Escobar to Kevin Biggio. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think it would work best if you do get left out. And, and look, a lot of people listening, it'll just turn out that they get left out of kind of the proven class of second baseman, which ends, what, Mike Moustakis, Eduardo Escobar, that group. Um. And then maybe they have to take Kevin Biggio as their starter. I've taken Biggio as the starter in a lot of my leagues, but usually what ends up happening in that scenario is I also get like a Tommy Edmond uh, in at, at third base or a Garrett Hampson in my outfield. So if if it doesn't pan out for Biggio, I could easily slot one of those other guys over and uh, you know hedge my bet that way. Right. Yeah. Look, somebody old Brandon Lau was really good last year. He only played eighty two games, but. He hit 17 home runs, 270. Uh, I, I know Al came on and talked about Starlin Castro. There could be some reason to think he could be all right. Um, yeah, we'll get into all those late-round guys that might be good, but obviously you, you, probably, you want a top-12 guy. Uh, 
do we have second baseman, uh, Chris, that you find yourself drafting often these days? Um, I've drafted quite a bit of Jonathan VR in a roto league, especially. I don't really have a ton of uh, excitement for him in points, but in roto, him, and uh, I would say Max Muncy are the two that I probably draft the most. So VR in a roto league is going. Uh, you have the ADP. I'm sorry. It's around 50th overall. 52nd. Okay. So that's uh, round five in a 12-team league. He hit almost all of his home runs, like 16 of his 24 home runs or something at home last year. He's going from Camden Yards to Marlins Park. They are moving in the walls. That's nice. So, uh, yeah, I mean, first, no, Trey Turner's moving to, could be moving to third in the order. I thought it was VR for a second. So, But, you know, um, scratch that. But, yeah, I mean, obviously he has to steal – but are you worried you're going to get a kind of a lousy hitter in a, in this park? A little bit, but all I really need, if I'm drafting Jonathan VR, the way my team's going to end up looking is I need him to hit 260 and steal about 40 bases. That's basically it. If you're if you're drafting him, your expectations in a roto league don't need to be much higher than that, and that's something that he's done. Three out of the last four years. Now, one of those four years, he only stole 35 bases, but that was 515 plate appearances. I think it's fair to say he would have gotten to 40 stolen bases if he had played more regularly. So at that point, I think he's a pretty safe option in the fourth and fifth round range if you know what you're getting into with him. You shouldn't expect him to do what he did in 2019 again. You shouldn't expect him to do what he did in 2016 again. But if you build your team appropriately, I think he's a great. I think he's a great value there. All right, VR was actually the number one second baseman in roto last year, number five in points. Max Muncy was eighth at the position, seventh in points, points eighth in roto. But on a per game basis, he's actually been fourth best each of the last two seasons. Scott, do you have any second baseman that you are drafting a lot? Well, when we first started drafting, I was getting a lot of Cattell Marte because I had him pegged as like a second rounder and he ended up being more like a fourth rounder. But I find that that's not happening so much anymore just because my emphasis at that stage is so heavily on pitching. I have to let him go to somebody else. But a a, a player who similarly performed at an elite level last year and isn't being drafted like an elite player and not anywhere close, who oftentimes lasts beyond even that early pitching run is DJ LeMayhew. So I tend to get a lot of DJ LeMayhew in the round six range, sometimes even later. And I think that's a great value. Uh, Otherwise, I'm probably using second base as a place to get some steals. Obviously not essential in a points league, but in... Standard five by five, it's it's highly necessary. Jonathan VR is usually gone by this point, so I can't turn to him. And there's reasons I might not want to anyway. But Keston here, I think, has huge upside as a hitter and could be a sneaky steal source. Uh, he tends to go similar range as LeMayhew. Um, Cabin Biggio, like I said, is somebody who I think you can pencil in for 20 plus steals and uh, wind up with him a lot. Tommy Edmond, Garrett Hampson. Garrett Hampson is getting kind of scary if I have to reach that far down, but he is un- he is a guy who, in theory, could steal 30 to 40 bases this year if he gets enough playing time. So those are the guys I tend to target most at this position. 
All right. Yeah, so we'll we'll gotta get into Cattell Marte for sure. Uh LeMayhew, though, I mean look, he kind of old for to have his best season and he had he had a very high Babbitt. He had a very high he had a nineteen percent home run to fly ball rate. It never been higher than eleven point one percent before last year, three forty nine Babbitt. He's always had good Babbitts, but it's been, you know, he's played for Colorado. I'm much more comfortable, Scott, with him in a points league because he's going to lead off for maybe the team that scores the most runs in baseball. In a Roto League, I, I'm a little concerned about 60th overall or something like that, uh, 62nd. Well, you know, he's going to be a batting average standout. You know, he's going to be a run but, standout. But like do you, you know said. that, though? Because he yeah. wasn't in 2000. He was bad in 2018. It was quite shocking what he did in 2019 based on 2018. Are you willing? You, you could be. I mean, are you willing to just kind of throw out 2018, just a bad year for him, for LeMahieu? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I mean, his downside is 276. That's that's should be a pretty strong indication that you have a good batting average source as well. Um, yeah, no, I think... I guess I haven't really read anything on the subject, but my theory is that he kind of changed his approach to suit his environment because he elevated better. Um, he hit the ball... He's he's hit the ball about that hard before, but he hit it much harder than we're used to seeing on average. And uh, yeah, I mean, he completely lived up to his expected stats. I'm not saying that it means he's totally in the clear and he won't regress. It could have just been a fluke that he he impacted the ball so much better than in the past. But there's nothing there are no red flags within the stats themselves and so i think he's being downgraded too much because of that it it doesn't seem like look especially now that dj gregorius is gone dj lemayhu is the second baseman it's not like he's going it's not even like entering last year where you're wondering where he's going to get his playing time i just i i don't see how the floor could possibly be that low okay yeah i i mean playing all every day and leading off for the Yankees. And that's a really good thing in a points league for sure. And Scott said good floor and Roto as well. So that's uh Chris said VR and Muncie are guys. He targets Scott's getting LeMahieu and Keston Hira. And how about guys we're avoiding Scott? Who are you passing on at second base? Well, consciously I am passing on, Probably Glaber Torres, just because there's no way the value lines up for me at the stage where he's going. Uh, when would you take much, him? Pretty much that whole class I've been happy to ignore. Glaber Torres, Jose Altuve, Ozzy Albies, Whit Merrifield. I just have clearer needs there. Cattell Marte, sometimes I'll jump in. I'll, I'll go out of uh, turn and take him. Go out of plan, off plan and take him. Um, but... I'm I'm generally not even thinking about the position until you get to like Keston Hira or DJ LeMahieu a little after that. That is so interesting. I mean, for a position that's considered shallow to be just passing up on the, you know, what looks like the elite tier. Chris, yeah. do you find yourself doing I'm, the same I'm, thing I'm, or what? Or yeah, actually, let me get Scott. Sorry, I cut you off there. I, no, it's fine. I'm I'm just more concerned about missing out on pitching. Is the thing like second base? Missing out at second base doesn't concern me nearly as much as missing out at starting pitcher. Chris. I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't think I've drafted drafted Ozzy Albies or Whit Merrifield yet. And it, it's definitely not a conscious decision that I've made. It's mostly just like Scott said, where there are other guys at that point in the draft and there are other needs at that point in the draft that, that draw me to them more than, than the second base position does. 
All right, so let's say you are you want to take a second baseman and you want to take Jose Altuve. So he's going about 30th overall, same as Glaber Torres in these Roto Leagues. Which, which pitchers are on the board at that point? Mike Clevenger, he, you know, he's going to drop, but Shane Bieber, um, Chris Sale, Blake Snell. And then there's You're right in the heart gap. there of the, of the pitchers with obvious ace upside. Yeah, and then there's a bit of a gap, and then like 10 picks later, Patrick Corbin, Aaron Nola. Still has obvious ace upside. <laughs> right, but you can take both. I mean, you can take... Glaber Torres. You can take a pitcher in round two, and you can take Jose Altuve in round three, and then you can take Luis Castillo in round four, Patrick Corbin or Aaron Nola in round four, and then you can take you, you could, Giolito in round five. But the five. thing is, I want I want all the pitchers. So, <laughs> like, I don't want to just settle for either or. I want both of the pitchers. So let's say you start your team with Mookie Betts, um, Walker Bueller, and then Jose Altuve. And then uh, Luis Castillo and Clayton Kershaw. How do you feel about that? Three pitchers. Uh, plus it Betson, seems okay. I, I probably would prefer a higher-end pitcher than... I mean, Kershaw's not bad, but I'd probably prefer a higher-end pitcher than Kershaw Giolito. and a lower-end hitter than... Okay. Than the Altuve, the second baseman, just because he plays second base. That's not an it's just not enough of a draw for me. The thing is, like, okay, there's the top there's the top five hitters, of course. There's um Alex Bregman. I'll give him I'll give him a bump up over the average hitter. But beyond that, I'm pretty much to the point where the only way I'm taking a hitter in the early rounds of a traditional five by five league is if he is a base dealer of, of some measure and Altuve isn't at this point. Um, most of these second basemen are, but it still just hasn't ended up happening for me. Okay. But like, Torres obviously isn't, but Freddie Freeman uh, and Anthony Rendon are exceptions, right? JD Martinez. If the value is great, they're exceptions. But I mean, no, I'm, 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 I've gotten more extreme as the drafts. Have, yeah, have I, I've noticed. I, just, yeah, I feel like you're, like, you're, you're going a little nuts. Maybe you misspoke, but it <laughs> sounded like you kind of said like, oh, Anthony Rendon and the average hitter are basically the same. And like Anthony Rendon just hit 320 with 34 homers and like 285 it wasn't that much, but it was like 230 yeah. runs in RBI combined. And now he's either hitting in front of or behind my truck. I think you. You either are going too far or you misspoke. <laughs> you misspoke. <laughs> no, I'm I am I am comfortable going too far because I I am that convinced that starting pitchers are going to be the biggest difference makers in 2020 and I want I want to come out of every draft with the strongest pitching staff. The that riskiest is- position though. They get injured they they Oh, I know. That's that's part of the reason why you need more of them, though. I guess, but you're. I mean, all right, but but it, it, honestly, it sounds like your drafts are going to go Trout, Yelich, Acuna, Bellinger, Betts, thirty pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because there are base stealers, and I think I oh, have, sorry. I think I have Cole fifth, or wait a second, the five hitters. No, I actually have Cole seventh at Roto. I have Trey Turner sixth because he is such a, nah, a big steal source. Be that in third. 
Well, careful now. Well, I'm look. He's not going to go. He's not going to go to stealing twelve bases. He may not steal forty five, but uh, or he may. I mean, like that, that's that's the risk you run anytime you take a base stealer. See, that's the thing. Is like, yes, yeah, no there kidding. Are inherent risks to starting pitchers. There are inherent risks to base stealers, but there are such a finite number of those compared to just general good power hitter. Yeah. You know, okay. Which are, so which the. What if we amend? What if we amend your statement to saying that you don't want to take hitters early unless they have huge upside? Because like JD Martinez could bat three ten with forty five home runs. I don't care. He doesn't steal any bases. He's going to drive and he's going to give you all those. Yeah, he's going to be worth it. You, yeah, you, no, I'm I'm saying there will be a point where it's worth it, and but it's it's the guys who fall. I'm not targeting a Freddie Freeman or Anthony Rendon where they're they're quote unquote supposed to go. I'm not singling anybody out in that way. If somebody from that group happens to fall to a point where I'm like, I just can't pass up this value, and it, it tends to happen at least once in a draft where I take a break from pitching to take this incredible hitter value, but it's like I'm, I'm making sure I get my pitching. Understood. And stolen bases to a lesser degree because there are some good stolen base sources, I think, in the middle rounds, but... But yeah, it, uh, I, I'm willing to pay full price for the early round base dealers. Wow, can't wait for the starting pitcher preview. Okay, so let's t- talk about the second base again. Uh, hold on one second. Let me promote a few things. I'm getting a lot of emails lately at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. If you notice, we haven't been reading them. I don't read them during the position previews. But I will start reading them once the position previews are over. We've got shortstop, third base to end this week. Then we've got pitcher and outfield next week, plus, a, plus an extra show where we will read emails and go over some of the news and things like that. But for now, position previews, you may not want to be sending all of your emails right now. I might respond to them privately, just write back to you and do that sometimes. But I will not be, I don't think I'll be reading any emails on the air probably until next maybe Wednesday or so. Uh, We have a Facebook group, though. If you want your questions answered, you can post your questions in our Facebook group. We approve, I'm not really sure how many a day, maybe five-ish or so a day. But we also have like keeper threads where you can just ask your keeper questions on there. Join a league thread, that kind of stuff. Just search Fantasy Baseball today. Please join our Facebook group. Uh, you get free advice from other people who listen to the podcast and love Fantasy Baseball. Uh, our newsletters, cbsports.com slash newsletter. Sign up there. It might be newsletters, but cbsports.com slash either newsletter or letters. And you've been asking about our schedule, when we publish our shows. Early, early like late afternoon uh, is basically going to be the answer typically. Um, on Fridays, be a little earlier. But our schedule is not 100% set in terms of time. We will have a show every day, every weekday going forward. But once the season starts, we'll be, you know, at a regular time. But right now, it's a little, you know, sorting it out. But right now, we're recording our episodes about 2 p.m. Eastern, getting it out to you by hopefully 4 p.m. Eastern. Okay, with all that said, which which second baseman are or can be elite this year? Chris, I'll throw it to you. What do you think? Keston Hera, for sure. Um, well, you know, it start, depends you on don't want to or... start with him, right? What's that? Is that the guy you want to start with here? I mean, you can give the obvious Jose Altuve. Don't we? Oh, okay. I thought you meant who can join the. Yeah. Okay. Glaber Torres, Jose Altuve. I I'm not sure if we include like Ozzy Albies and and Cattell Marte. Yeah, how are we defining elite? Because second base is the only position where there isn't a single player going in the first or second round. The first 
goes in round three on average. So it's mm-hmm. kind of that alone is kind of making a case against any of them being elite. Well, but, but what do you think? I mean, who? Because uh, I think Altuve uh, obviously can be. He was yeah. unbelievable in the second half. He had almost a thousand yeah. OPS. Torres is twenty-two or twenty-three, and he's done some pretty incredible things. Um, if Patel we- Marte was elite last year. I mean, just in terms of yes, what he, he did, was. he. he Yep. merits a first-round pick. It's just skepticism that's pushing him down to round four. If Whit Merrifield, he said he didn't run last year because they were out of contention, I say that that doesn't <laughs> necessarily hold up because his stolen bases by month were two in March on opening day, then three, 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 four, two, and three. So he must have thought they were out of contention in mid-April. Well, you know, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he they wasn't kind of wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, that didn't sit well with me. That And that was that was a... Did you see that from me, me tweeting yes, it out? Yes. Yeah, that was from September when he talked about that, and I just happened to find it in the past couple weeks. And it's like, well, I think they're obviously also, not going to contend this year either. <laughs> but if he does steal, he could be worth elite. noting that Wood Merrifield's 31. Like, he's well, only in his third full season, but he wasn't a regular until he was 28. And so it might just be that he's just not going to run as much anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's. It sounded like he was saying if they were in contention, he'd be willing to put his body at risk like that. But as out of self-preservation, because there wasn't that much at stake anyway, he decided not to run. But that just that kind of speaks to the flakiness of second base, right? Because that's all it takes is steals. a guy just to be like, eh, I don't feel like it. The flakiness of <laughs> steals. He's not yeah. stealing bases anymore. And that's obviously the main thing we draft with Merrifield for. And because now we have an ex- we have that reason, that explanation for why his stolen base total was down. Like if that reasoning holds, then presumably he's not going to run that much either this year. Yeah. Okay, well, I just—I guess what I was saying was if he does steal 40 bases again, he will be an elite player, even though he's only going to hit like 15, 16 home runs, basically, based on the last few years. So he could be elite. Torres, um, Altuve for sure. Chris said Keston Hira. Maybe Keston Hira has more upside than Ozzy Albies, but Albies is this really fun player who's just good at everything, basically. Uh, gives you a little bit of, of all the categories, and he's been the number two second baseman in points leagues two straight seasons. He's been top five in Roto two straight seasons. By the way... I think Albie's going to have a lot better counting stats this year because he spent 64 games batting between 6th and 8th in the order, and mm-hmm. then then he just got so good they moved him up to 2nd. So as long as he doesn't slump, he, he's not going to bat 6th to 8th, I wouldn't think. Um, all right, so anything else to add here? I mean, could Max Muncy be elite? Could Jeff McNeil be elite? Could Mike Moustakas? Mike Moustakas, for some reason, never took it, never got the Miller Park bump. It didn't happen when he got traded there in 2018. It didn't happen last year. He's in Cincinnati now. But you saw the numbers he put up in Kansas City, and you thought, damn, maybe he could hit like 40 homers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, how far off was he? Not that far, but there is a difference <laughs> probably. What, he hit 35? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, there's a there's a difference. I mean, it doesn't feel like that much. but Yeah, this is one position, though, where it is harder to identify like a an early mid-round guy who can make the leap or, you know, a true mid-round guy. Like, a lot of other positions I can look at and say, well, there's somebody at 120 who I could conceivably see. It's a lot harder here. Like, Gavin Lux, maybe. Um, Kevin Biggio, I don't think, is going to hit for enough average to ever make that leap. So it 
it really is like it's a solid position, but it just doesn't have the star power. Okay, so let me get to a few more subjects here before we go through ADP. It seems like there might be some late good batting average sources based on last year. I'm not saying it'll happen again this year, but Tommy Edmond, Luis mm-hmm. Arise, he's very good batting average in the minors. That's basically yeah. all he does. Yeah, those are those seem like pretty safe bets for batting average. Arias is maybe the safest bet for batting average in all of baseball. But like you said, that's all he does. Kevin Newman, Tommy LaStella, David Fletcher, and then maybe Nick Madrigal, who, as Chris was pointing out the other day, never, ever, ever strikes out. Uh, these guys could be sources. Now, some of them are not going to be everyday players. But, yeah, some late batting average, some late steal sources. Edmund and, and Edmund himself, Kevin Newman could maybe steal Eagle. like 20. Garrett Hampson. And then there's D. Gordon and Colton Wong, who can't really hit, especially Gordon. But Magical. Nick Magical, okay. Yeah. Magical has the chance to be uh, the opening day second baseman for the White Sox. Uh, all right, so there are some. You know, do you do you target any of these guys, Scott? I know you target. You know, you like Edmund, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think Edmund. I think Edmund. It's it's not. You don't have to squint too hard to see a thirty steal season for him. He had such a high success rate and was basically. Let me see what he was last year. Yeah, he was uh, 15 for 16 in 92 games. And like I said, profiles for a high batting average. A lot of the power production came in September, and I'm not sure if uh, if he's going to be more like a dozen home runs a year or 20 home runs a year. But I think he's good enough at those other two things that he's worth targeting at the point he's going. Uh, like I said, Garrett Hampson. Garrett Hampson's really interesting because... If the mechanical change he made last September, remember this time last year, like Garrett Hampson was a much trendier sleeper than he is even now. And then it was just a disaster when he played. Um, But he made a mechanical change in September, had crazy numbers at the very end of the season there. And um, like he's a guy who should get on base a lot. He's a guy who, especially at Coors Field, should hit for average, should hit a get has at least extra base power. I'm not sure how much of that is going to clear the fence. But then if you if he plays every day and he's able to steal 30 plus bags, I could see his ceiling being really high. Yeah. Hampson's. But it's it, there's a playing time crunch there. And I think as of now, he doesn't have a position all to himself. So you could you could see him getting squeezed, too. Garrett Hampson in September hit 318 with five home runs and nine steals in nine attempts. Seven walks, 18 strikeouts. That's not bad. And only one of his five home runs was at home. He had two at the Dodgers and two in San Francisco. Pretty impressive. Sleepers breakouts bust. Unless there's if there's any other strategy you guys want to talk about, and I think we laid it out that once you get past the top 12 or so, really it's almost like exactly 12. Then you start getting into the high upside group, and you might want to grab two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got your Biggios and your Edmonds. Unproven upside, uh, you know, Gavin Lux, Hampson. So there's a drop-off after probably Jeff McNeil and Mike Moustakis, Eduardo Escobar. Uh, okay, yeah. Did you, break did you mention us. Colton Wong among the steel sources? I did, yeah. I said him and okay. D. Gordon, but Wong doesn't play every day, right? And doesn't seem. It seems like Tommy Edmonds going to move all over the diamond, but he'll play... 
I would guess he probably ends up playing more than both Wong and Matt Carpenter, even though they're uh, they play their positions more often. If that because Edmonds probably going to play some outfield too. Yeah, there's there's a bit of a playing time situation there, but I don't worry about it as much for Edmund as I do for like Hampson because it's Edmund has established himself more as an integral cog in the Cardinals lineup than Hampson has in the Rockies lineup. So before we get into sleepers, breakouts, and busts, I do want to focus on two guys. Cattell Marte pretty much came out of relative nowhere last year and was the number one uh, second baseman in in points in both formats, and he was like the number 16 hitter. And Keston Hira, who was awesome, just awesome last year. So let's start with Marte. Scott, you've been defending him for a while. He's the fourth second baseman off the board behind Torres, Altuve, and Albies. He's a round four pick. Could tell Marte, you know, what do you expect? I don't expect him to be as good as last year. I think any time a guy hits 330, like it's it, he's probably not going to be as good the next year. Mathematically, it's it's just so hard to be able to do that. But he still had one of the the highest XBAs in baseball. It was still 299. Um, and he's a guy, he's another guy who raised his launch angle at a time when it makes sense to do so. Made a lot of hard contact. He's always made a lot of contact, which also helps the batting average potential there. Um, there are just, other than the fact that he's Cattell Marte, and when he was coming up through the minors, he projected as more like this Ender Enciarte type than what he has now become. I don't see a lot of reason to suspect he's going to fall off here. Uh, going to decline some, but a drop off to the point that he's not even worth a fourth round pick. A very hard time seeing that. Even when you look at 2018, what he did the final four months, I mean, it was a near 900 OPS. He started to show signs of this even then, and then just really took off last year. So what, what really won me over to Cattell, to Cattell Marte, like totally on board with him is he gets off to this great start. You see he's kind of overachieving as far as the peripherals go. And you're like, okay, this is going to slow down. He's going to cool off. And then in the second half, he gets even better. Chris, what I do mean, you think about Cattell Marte? You in? You in? Yeah, I'm in. Well, I know Scott's in. Chris, are you in? Mostly. A little less than Scott. But he is one of the guys who isn't being drafted as if the breakout was real. And or at least not entirely. And so that makes me more likely to buy into him. I'm certainly more likely to buy him than I am Glaber Torres, who's going, you know, a round and a half ahead of him. Who would you rather have? Let's say the same exact draft spot. You can take either Glaber Torres or Cattell Marte. Who are you taking? It's close. Probably Glaber. Scott? Marte. Okay. Let's talk about Keston Hira. So... Yeah, he was really just heroic when he came up. I'm trying to get the numbers. There we go. 304, 19, or 19 home runs in 84 games. He had a 938 OPS. He stole nine bases. He did have a 402 Babbitt and a 24.1% home run to fly ball rate. Those are pretty pretty nice. Maybe a little lucky there. The thing well, is, 402 he's, Babbitt? He's no? not going to have a 400 Babbitt moving <laughs> Yeah, forward. come on. Give but, me that. 
he wasn't far off from that in the minors. Now, you typically expect a hitter's BABIP to come down from the minors to the majors because the, the defenses are better and the scouting's better and everything is better. But he does project to be a very high BABIP guy based on his yeah. track record, based on his batted ball profile. I'm buying Keston here as a breakout. I think you put what he did to get last year. I don't think it's unreasonable to think he could hit 30 homers and, and steal 10 to 15 bags in a great lineup in a great park. And I think he's more likely to help you in batting average than even someone like Fernando Tatis, who is going several rounds ahead of him and has more stolen base potential, but who you know, could be a, a drag on your batting average in a way that I think Keston Hira might be able to avoid even with, you know, an elevated strikeout basically since he got to AAA last year. I, you say 10 to 15 steals. I would, I would take the high on that. He had nine and 84 games in the mm-hmm. majors. Uh, I think there's a chance maybe he could approach 20, and that in and of itself is enough to justify the price tag. But yeah, I mean, he obviously... Showed he has power. He hits the ball. He makes high quality contact, as Chris was saying, talking about the batted ball profile. He's the sort of guy who you look at the 30% strikeout rate and you're like, okay, this isn't a deal breaker. But he didn't strike out that much in the minors on top of it. Like strikeouts weren't an issue coming up through the minors for him. So I could certainly see him making more consistent contact than he did as a rookie. And in that case, you're talking about a a very high ceiling. So I'm I'm happy to take him. Well, I, I already mentioned I'm happy to take him as my number one second baseman. I don't know that I would take him 48th overall, 49th overall where he tends to go. But I've seen him last a round or two longer than that. And I'm happy to gobble him up then. All right, Keston Hira. Now let's go to sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Maybe Keston Hira is going to be in this segment. Favorite sleeper, Scott White. Okay, so it's always difficult distinguishing between sleeper and breakout, but I'm going to say the sleeper is Garrett Hampson. And I okay. pretty much laid yeah, out the case no. for him already. That's good. <laughs> That'll so work. That's, that's my guy, Garrett Hampson. Great September, a lot of steals, potential plays in Colorado. Mechanical adjustment in September. Chris Towers, your favorite sleeper? Uh, Luis Arias. I'm a little wary because of the fact that What's that? Luis Arise. No, no, oh, no. He I, means Luis Arias. Oh, Luis oh. <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers, former San Diego Padre, who has struggled in his major league career. 221 batting average, 66 Ks in, in 83 games. But look at what he's done in his AAA career. 305. Now, this is in the PCL, but you know, El Paso's not Albuquerque. It's not Colorado Springs. He's hit 305 with a 933 or 913 OPS. I believe in the contact profile. I believe that he's got enough power with the juiced ball to play up. And and I could see a scenario where he, you know, maybe gets off to a slow start, maybe doesn't break camp with the team because of the wrist injury he suffered, but comes up late April, playing in a great lineup in a great park, and hits twenty homers and steals ten bases and is helpful in batting average. I could I could easily see that. So Luis Arias now with the Brewers, he will he's only 22 years old. He'll be 23 years old in June. Hasn't really done anything <laughs> in the majors, but okay. He didn't really do much. Well, he had a good bat. 
Is there any power there? He slugged 433 in the minors. So that's interesting been... because he he definitely has the kind of exit velocity, or at least he did early on in his minor league career, I know, where it's like, okay, you can see this guy developing power. But in trying to tap into that by raising his launch angle, it's kind of robbed him of his strengths, which was he used to be that like incredibly high contact rate guy. And now is just kind of an above average contact rate guy and the overall production hasn't been as impressive. So I don't know how that's ultimately going to play out for Arias, but it's um it's a situation where he may be having to choose between batting average and power. And uh I, I do wanna like let's not let's not overstate the point here. He had a nine ninety eight OPS in triple hit last year. I know. Like, the numbers have been really, really impressive. And yet, the the numbers were dwarfed by Ty France at the same level. That was the PCL. I mean, he hit, he did not hit for much power at all before he hit 19 home runs in 73 games in the PCL last year. So that seems to cure everybody's power ailments. All right, so to the breakouts. Chris, who's your favorite breakout this year? Keston Hara. Scott, who's your favorite breakout this year? I'm going to say Kevin Biggio. There's some interesting numbers I want to give you for Kevin Biggio. Um, his 16.5% walk rate was topped by only Mike Trout, Yasmani Grundahl, and Alex Bregman. That's it, among qualifiers. His 25.4% ground ball rate, where the, the, the environment being what it is, ground balls are pretty much a bad thing. You want contact that's not ground balls. His was the second lowest bettered only by Mike Trout. So that's two key categories where Trout is like one of just a couple players that were better than Kevin Biggio last year. And then on top of that, Biggio was a perfect 14 for 14 on stolen bases. So those three numbers, to me, point to a very strong foundation of skills here that um, I think maybe... Even even though he was certainly useful when he got called up last year, it understates how useful he could be. Now, like Chris, I'm not confident he'll ever hit for batting average. A lot of the non-ground balls are fly balls, and when fly balls don't clear the fence, they're often outs. And beyond that, he tends to be a little too patient at the plate, which can cause the strikeout rate to yeah. elevate. But It's a passive. Yeah. But I think the strengths are are more noteworthy here than the weaknesses. And um, I think it's certainly possible he could be like a 30 homer, 20 steal type, if not even more steals uh, and get on base a ton too. So kind of like a speedier Max Muncy almost. Kevin Biggio is possibly going to bat second for the Blue Jays. Walks a ton, so maybe in points leagues, not a bad fallback option there. He's someone I I think would probably benefit from walking less. Like I said, I think like he swung 36% of the time last year. I think that was like the second or third lowest in baseball. And I don't know if it was because he's great at identifying pitches in and out of the strike zone because he didn't really swing at pitches in the strike zone much. I think it's sort of similar to Yaw Mankata, where, you know, he didn't have this horribly ugly swing strike rate before last season, Mankata but he struck out a lot and it was because he put himself in disadvantageous counts. And in Biggio's case, you know, he makes more contact than Mankata, but 
it's a similar thing where I think he could benefit from being a more aggressive hitter because good things do happen when he swings the bat. So sleepers, Garrett Hampson and Luis Arias, breakouts, Biggio for Scott, Keston Hira for Chris. Chris, who's going to be a bust this year? Uh, I don't want to say Glaber, so I won't. I don't know. <laughs> there's not really a good bust candidate at I, second base. You know, I'm going to say that Glaber and Muncy are similar in that it's almost like the only thing they do is homer, you know? It, they don't double. That's my concern with Glaber is that he might just be like a 32 homer, 270 hitter. But he's 22 and he's a top right. prospect. That's so, exactly the thing. Yeah, is that yeah. it, 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 it reminds me a little bit of Mike Soroka. Um, obviously, they're going in way different ranges. And I think Glaber's a better overall fantasy player. But it's like, I think he's probably the pick. I don't. He's, he's the player most likely to be worse in 2020 than he was in 2019. But I, I think VR could be awful because we've seen VR be awful. That's my bust pick. That's my happened, bust pick. That's my thing, though, is it, it happened once in the last four years. Well, and really, I don't know. Like, but nobody wants him is the other thing. Like it, it wouldn't take much, especially since the Marlins have some outfielders that are going to be verging on a major league promotion here soon. And well, VR maybe. is penciled in as their center fielder. Uh, considering he has, um, he makes weak contact. He doesn't elevate the ball. He's an undisciplined hitter, and there's there's definitely a low batting average floor here. And if he gets off to a bad start, I would worry. I would worry either about him just getting phased out of the lineup, or them, you know, dumping him on a contender to serve as just a utility a utility role for him. Like if if VR plays, he's going to run. And he's a bust pick where I still get the necessity to take him just because there are so few players who are capable of contributing in that scarce category. I might take him sometimes at his going right. rate, even though I recognize the bust potential and I'm scared of him. Uh, yeah, but can, it's, you, can it's, you? it's the playing time. It's the combination of does the batting average plummet and it will the playing time be there if it does. If, can you live with what he did in 2017 and 18? 2017, he had 241 with 11 homers and 23 steals in 122 games. That's pretty bad. That's a bust, I'd say. 2018, 260, 14 home runs, horribly low counting stats. Uh, yeah, that was well, he didn't become a starter until a midseason trade. 35 steals in 40 attempts. Can you deal with 260 yes. and 35 steals? Yes. Okay. I mean, you'd have to extrapolate the 35 steals out to 650 plate appearances. And and in that case, it's probably more like 45 steals and which, and yeah, that you can absolutely live with that. Okay. Um, yeah. T- Torres, I just want to add one thing, about this. I don't know if you guys are watching a lot of the postseason and listening to it, but I love John Smoltz. And he's, be- you know, he's great. The way he talked about labor Torres was like inspirational. He loves labor Torres about you know, it just made me think there's a there's a different level that he's going to take his game, and I but, people are betting on Twitter that. Twitter puts it John Smoltz doesn't love anything. Yeah, yeah we he found lo- the one thing John Smoltz loves. He loves Glaber Torres. <laughs> he loves him. He's become a very divisive. He doesn't hate. Yeah, I I think he's great. I mean, I yeah, I mean he's my favorite player of all time. So I I'm I'm reluctant to say anything too negative about him. I th- I kind of understand the complaints about him 
you know, referring to the good old days. But at the same time, I do think his analysis when he actually is breaking down pitches and gameplay is very strong. Yeah, absolutely. And and Glaber's like, you don't actually want, like, I, I don't want to call Glaber Torres a bust. First, because I, I just, it's not like he's going to bust, you know? Like, yeah, probably not. he's going to be a solid player no matter what. I can't envision a scenario in which he, like, hits 250 with 20 homers. Yeah, I just think the, the see where he's going to hit in the order. I, I think he might fall a little short on plate appearances. Which has been the case in both of his seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think he was, like, eighth among second basemen in plate appearances last year, which is just weird. I mean, roster resource has him batting third. I Maybe that happened. It probably makes sense, right? I mean, LeMahieu, Judge, Torres, Stanton, Sanchez. If he bats third, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay. ADP. Torres, 29th. Altuve, 30th. Albies, round four. Mart- uh, quick on Albies. Like I said, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, maybe. It, it, could he yeah. could he take his game Scott could Albies take his game to another level and um be a true stud well I'm certainly not counting on it but it's it's hard to say no when he's only he only just turned 23 last month and he's already accomplished what he has in the majors um I think it's possible I I mean certainly he could run more that's just a decision-based thing. He certainly has the ability to do it. I just don't know that the Braves or he will take the initiative there. It's hard think, to see him developing much more No. I think there's basically no way he runs more. Based on the way the Braves have operated, Like they've basically yeah. had a leadoff hitter who runs, and that's absolutely it. Yeah. Well, why can't he bat leadoff? Because Ronald Acuna... They're not, they're not moving Acuna <laughs> out of the leadoff <laughs> I, spot they, after the way last year went. All there's right. no chance. Uh, so Albies was again, like I said, two straight years, number two in points. He was number five in Roto last year. He was number three in Roto in 2018. Uh, could tell Marte goes after him. Who would you guys rather have Albies or Marte? Marte. Marte. Whit Merrifield and Keston Hira are going very close to each other. Who would you rather have Merrifield or Hira? I'm more likely to draft Hira. Yeah. Cause, cause he goes later. I do rank with Merrifield ahead, but I just never, I've never been in a position yet where I had to consider taking Merrifield. You know, they're going very close to each other on fantasy pros. Yeah. I don't know what that, I don't know why my experience has been different there. And Hira is going ahead of Merrifield on CBS in Roto (laughs) leagues. So I think that might be because there are some like dynasty drafts mixed in there. I yeah, think that's a higher percentage right now. Well, I I really think Merrifield is the one I just don't know what to do with. You know, mm-hmm. round end of round four, beginning of round five, he's either the fifth or sixth second baseman off the board. He is he worth a round earlier than Jonathan VR? Who would you rather have, Merrifield in round four or VR in round five? VR, I would say. I would say Merrifield. Okay. But with some hesitation there in his book. Like the thing about Merrifield is at least he's a very safe source of batting average. He's up there with Freddie Freeman in terms of how often he's among the line drive leaders. So uh you know he's gonna hit about three hundred with 
15 or so homers. If he steals 40 bases, that's basically Trey Turner, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he could be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's interesting if he keeps falling. Uh, and he's funny with uh, his counting stats because they were a lot better in 2019 than they were in 2018. It's not because he had a better year at the plate. His OBP was actually lower. And the Royals ranked 26th in runs scored in 2019, 25th in 2018, but they scored a lot more runs. So it's just... I guess the point I wanted to make about him was it was like he scored like the runs he scored were seemed a lot higher, but relative to baseball, they're still not that good for a leadoff hitter who bats 300 because the Royals suck so bad. Okay. But <laughs> if that makes sense, he's led the hit majors and hits the past two years, each of who the last two that? years or, or over the last two years. No, it, each of the last two years when Merrifield has led the majors and hits. And you'd think he'd score like 120 runs, but it's just <laughs> well, yeah, not going to happen. Are terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Back to ADP. VR 52nd overall. Then we got Lemayhu, Moncada. If he's second base eligible, is that a good spot for him? Moncada. If he's second base eligible, that fictional world. Uh, that Yahoo world. High. I'm not the biggest Moncada guy. I have I, Moncada as one of my breakouts this year. He he, it w- he would need to break out, I think, to justify the ADP. And, and you could argue he already broke out, but he would need to have a second breakout, yes. Max Muncy, round seven. Then about, about a round and a half later, Jeff McNeil, who, yeah, we haven't talked that much about him. I mean... That I, seems like a good value. Yeah. I think people are skeptical of the power because it was so second half loaded. But look at what he did at AAA before getting called up in 2018. And this was pre... Major League Ball being introduced to AAA, it was he he was he was crushing it down there, home runs and everything. So I think uh, I think home runs, I think the home run rate is a reasonable expectation going forward. But he was like twenty six years old at that, whereas twenty twenty, I think he was twenty six at that point. He was older. Yeah. So yeah, and he hit three home runs in two thousand eighteen, and then McNeil hit. 23 home runs. But look, there's going to be batting average. There's going to be a lot of plate appearances. I love it in a points league. You know, is he a better points league guy? Or not necessarily because he's great at batting average? Yeah, yeah. I think he's good in both. Okay. Yeah. After McNeil, we have Moustakas. What is your level of excitement for drafting Mike Moustakas? In round Vanilla. Nine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excitement is... Vi- he's the unexciting pick. He's fine. He'll probably hit you 30 to 35 homers with a 250-ish batting average and no steals, or very few steals anyway. How about Eduardo Escobar? Do you buy Eduardo Escobar, who, you know, we talk so much about did Cattell Mar- it was Cattell Marte legit. Escobar was really not much worse. He was really good last year. Escobar and M- Moustakas have a very similar profile. Um, but I'm definitely more inclined to take Moustakas because Moustakas has been that guy for a long time, and Escobar just became that basically last year. So Escobar is kind of the Moustakis fallback for me. He had two. He scored two fewer fantasy points than Ozzy Albies, who was number had a two. Crazy in, high RBI total. Yeah, I mean, Chris has talked about Jose Abreu, how unbelievable his RBI total seemed. I think Eduardo Escobar's though wasn't quite as high. It's, it's only uh, like three behind. He had 118. Yeah. It's crazy. Pretty good. Like, and that and that was one of the things. Like he's also eligible at third base, kind of you know, tangent here, but 
I have a 35 homer, 118 RBI guy in Eduardo Escobar, who I barely have in my top 20 at second base. Third base. I mean, at third yeah. base. That's uh, just it's funny. Well, after Escobar, now we got to start gambling a little bit. Danny Santana, but he's not second base eligible on our site. Kevin Biggio, Tommy Edmond, Gavin Lux. How do you rank those three? Biggio, Edmond, Lux. Definitely. Like that. How about Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? I like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. a lot. I think he is sort of overlooked. I think he's got better batted ball indicators than he gets credit for. Uh, makes pretty good contact. And there's a little bit of speed there. Like a a 30 homer, 10 stolen base season is probably the ceiling, but it's possible. Garrett Not Hampson? second base in many places, I would... I would. Yes. Okay. Outfield only on our site. Garrett Hampson, Scott Kingery. Where's Kingery eligible? He's not second base eligible for us, right? No, just for us, it's just third and outfield. Okay. So uh, Hampson, Kingery, Brandon Lau. Would you rather have Garrett Hampson or Brandon Lau? Hampson. Yep. Wait, Scott, Lau was your guy last year. It's a great sleeper yeah, call. Yeah, well, then he started striking out like Joey Gallo. And <laughs> Ceased to be my guy. Oh, he's got some pop, though. Definitely. Nick's... Not Joey Gallo kind of pop. No. Nick Senzel, who is not second base eligible for us. Um, Ryan McMahon, actually very good numbers after the All-Star break. I know you guys talked about him a little bit yesterday. Chris, not so much a believer. Scott, more optimistic on McMahon. And then we've got Kevin Newman, Colton Wong, Rugnet Odor, D. Gordon, Luis Arise. Great batting average source. Starlin Castro. Big second half, going to a new park. Thoughts on Castro with the Nationals? Much better park, too. Oh, he has great career numbers at Nationals Park. Just so you know. I did not know that. I'll tell you what they are. (laughs) 336, only three home runs, but 16 doubles in 36 games and 872 OPS. I have not been able to muster interest in Starling Castro. I know Al came on and talked up as a sleeper, but I don't see a lot peripherally that backs up the second half surge. Like I could be talking, okay, maybe he's a changed player if like his batted ball profile changed and everything in the second half, but it didn't really. I think he just got hot. Moving on. Daniel Murphy, Nick Madrigal. Okay. Average, maybe some steals. Tommy Listella, John Birdie, David Fletcher, Nick Solak, Cesar Hernandez, Luis Arias, that was Chris's sleeper, Howie Kendrick, Nico Goodrum, Jonathan Scope, Robinson Cano was just one. He just 2018 was a very good year for Robinson Cano. He was crap last year. Jerickson Profars, Dribble Cabrera, Jose Peraza, Chris Taylor. Okay, Chris, uh, anybody jump out at the end of the draft? Um, I'm sort of disappointed that Tommy LaStella didn't get to finish his season last year because what he was doing before what was it, a broken leg uh, was really interesting. I didn't quite buy it. And now it's, well, it, I guess since the Jock Peterson trade's not happening, it could, he could have an everyday job, right? It sounds like he's going to play every day against righties. Joe okay. Madden was saying, but uh, it the door would have to be open for him to playing first base, which Joe Madden didn't seem to be acknowledging um, for him to play against lefties. But, you know, like 
if Lestella starts out like he did last year, I have a feeling he'll find his way into the lineup virtually every day. And I'll also point out, we're one year removed from Jose Peraza hitting 14 homers and stealing 23 bases and hitting 290. You know, maybe. Hmm. He okay, should play every know, day for the Red Sox, right? I don't. Well, I mean, I guess it depends how much they want Michael Chavis right. playing right. second. But they did sign Mitch Moreland to play some first, and I know they want to get Chavis in the lineup a lot. So I don't know. I just want to read, um, going to finish the show, 2018, here's your top 12 at second base from 2018. Whit Merrifield, one. Scooter Jeanette, two. (laughs) Uh, Ozzie Albies, three. Altuve, four. Jose Peraza, five. Muncie, six. Jed Lowry, seven. Moustakas, eight. Escobar, nine. Profar, 10. Cesar Hernandez, 11. VR, 12. That's 2018. Yeah. Things change. What a fun sport. Yeah. Mm. Shortstop tomorrow, Should ladies I- and gentlemen. We'll uh, we'll get into that position. That's a fun one. Man, there are some really, really good shortstops at the top. So until then, for Scott White, Chris Towers, I'm Adam Azer. Enjoy your Wednesday night. We'll talk to you Thursday on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.